Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. That's um, the song that we play at the start of every episode of the podcast, Two in the Think Tank. And, and uh, uh, when you think that we don't, that's on you. That's on you. That's indicative of, I'm going to say, a deep problem with your mind. Mm, that it filters the, uh, the world, the outside world mm. uh, in some way. The outside world, which is an objective uh, world and yep. reality. There's only one version. Yeah. And uh, and then it filters it in such a way to, to create different kinds of music. So some people would consider that mm. possibly a gift. Yeah. That yeah. you don't have to hear that every time. Is the rose that you see the same color as the rose that I see? Mm. Is the garbage intro to Two in the Think Tank that mm. you hear the same as the one that I hear? I would have said uh, sort of... Uh, Trebly mouth smack music. Yeah. Trebly mouth smack. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems like an alternative universe version of your surname. <laughs> Trebly, yeah, Alistair Trebly mouth smack. <laughs> yeah. But and but for this for this one brief moment, you've seen the world as it really is, or yeah. heard the world as it really is, mm-hmm. and. Um, and yeah, it, you know, I guess I guess it's not that bad, is it? No, and it's got to a point where we feel like we know our audience so well is that mm. we understand their filters, and right. we were able to get around your set of minds firewall or reverse engineer mm. a signal that we can send to you, mm-hmm. so that um, through your filters it actually appears as the real world does. So by creating, um, yeah, yeah, you know, alternative, but presentation. yet. It's the first time that you've seen the real world, yet it's it appears like the most foreign world to you. Mm. You know, and that's the weird thing. I guess it's a bit like in the Matrix. Yeah. Welcome to the something of the real. Nightmare. Nightmare. The nightmare of the yeah. real. But it wasn't a nightmare because it was daytime, and he was talking about how it was daytime. It was very bright. And there was a lot of well, you know, he was talking about how they couldn't get access to the sun anymore because they scorched this. I think they scorched the sky to yes. to stop the robots From being able to solar power themselves and get energy. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't. That really backfired when they started harnessing human bodies. Yeah, but I mean, as we've discussed previously on yeah. the podcast, that's thermodynamically and you know electrochemically unviable. Right, you can't get more energy out of a person than you put in, and if you're putting in energy from somewhere, well, why not just use that energy source that you had to begin with? Well, they don't. They don't have the technology. That's the real nightmare, isn't it? They don't have the technology to turn ham. 
yes. into, <laughs> into electricity. Into, into electricity. <laughs> and so they have to go through the body. And it's a hugely inefficient is, transfer of electricity. Is ham is, is, and it's ham, is it? Is that is that what they're using? I think I think it's just they, they took it? over the world, there was just this abundance of leftover ham <laughs> and they were working their way through it. Well ham doesn't go off. As I understand it, That's is, why that, a thing? is that a I've, thing about ham? Look, I've look, I've never thrown away ham. Um, yeah, well, and there's two reasons that could be. Right, mm-hmm. one, you've always eaten it before it's gone off, yeah. or two, it's never gone off, yeah. so you've always eaten it before it's gone off. Or three, so really, one thing. Or three, I'm a ham hoarder. <laughs> Oh, if there was a if there was a subcategory of hoarders, of hoarders which is just ham hoarders, <laughs> subcategories, spinoffs, you know, this is the Frasier of the, of to the hoarders <laughs> cheers. <laughs> they have one episode with a ham hoarder, and they go, "It's this, so popular." Yeah, this episode is too good to just be a one-off. I think that's great. It gets to the end of hoarders, and the the the, the network's like, "Look, I'm sorry, you guys have got to finish up, but everybody loves the show." Mm. And um, we think that this hoarding, this ham hoarder guy, we think that had a lot of potential and a lot of cut mm. through. We'd like that to be a show. So uh, mm. we're giving you unlimited budget, okay? <laughs> Carte blanche. You do whatever you got to do. You move the show to Seattle if you have to. Yeah. All right? You probably most likely will want to. Exactly. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, totally, it's exclusively ham. Uh, will uh, Maris be there? Uh, okay, so I think, <laughs> I think, what we, uh, what does this show look like now? Is it is it is in the reality of the show now? Are there lots and lots of people who are hoarding ham, mm-hmm. or is it because the show has to be made? They have this unlimited budget that they're going around, and people who really don't have that much ham at all, mm. they're accusing of them them of being ham hoarders, or are they setting people up fake? Fake ham hoarding them, filling their houses yeah, with ham. Sure, sort of like a like a cop planting drugs on a on a, <laughs> on a suspect. <laughs> they go to people What's who actually don't, don't have any ham whatsoever and planting right. loads of ham. Yeah, they just uh, yeah. they they do the raid. They come in. I assume hoarders is a raid based show. <laughs> Sprinkle a little ham. <laughs> yeah, on the... shake it out of the bottom of their trouser leg. Yeah. It's somewhere, it's somewhere between Dog the Bounty Hunter and, and Ham Hoarders. <laughs> you know, uh, just where, where, you know, he's tracking people down and then get putting ham on them. Right. Oh, well, then, then I'm now interested I guess that could be the TV show Ham Cops. Yeah. Do you smell bacon? That, but, no, it's ham? <laughs> no. You guys smell bacon? No, it's ham. It's a different part of the beast. Um... But then now I'm interested to almost see a show set in the future looking back once it's been exposed the fact that Ham Hoarders was a scam, basically, that they were all entrapment. Well, know? yeah. Um, well, I think that maybe we could get, okay, we get a six eps out of just Ham Hoarders. Sure. Right? And this this is something that we would make, right? We right. make six eps of Ham Hoarders. <laughs> we, we, we say that it's a, we say that it's a, a spin-off of Hoarders. Yeah. Right? It'll get a lot of buzz. <laughs> a lot of buzz, especially in the ham community. Right? <laughs> Who have been looking for something <laughs> to reflect them in a broadcast medium since they were so bitterly disappointed by ham radio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then later on, uh, broadcast radio, which really was a real departure from the ham totally thing nothing. at all. Yeah. 
ham at all. They shouldn't really have expected that much. No. So then we do that, and then we do the, 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 the TV show, which is a dramatization of the producer's... Right, the story um, behind the ham. Yeah, and then then you make the real documentary sort of one-off movie or one-hour special, mm-hmm. which is like... This is like the real-life version of the dramatization TV show of the uh, the ham hoarding show. I don't at all understand what the third one is. So... Well, it's where you actually meet ham hoarder producers. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, in person. And then you, maybe you speak to some of the writers from the the dramatization of the uh, producer's one. I think people want that. Yeah, because then they they talk about the research that they did to make the show. And then, they, you know, like they hung out with a bunch of ham hoarders producers and <laughs> saw all the kind of the, – the, the, he's like, look, most of these stories that I came up with are not fake. Wow, that's, so there's a grain of ham of truth. Yeah, there's a grain of, sort of, a, you could say a, a cube of ham truth. There's a, <laughs> there's a grain of truth, or there's a, there's a cube of ham. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like it because, you know, uh, you, you can go to somebody's house, they don't seem like they're a ham hoarder, mm. right? But the thing about ham is it's very thin. It's very right? thin. So well, you look in the walls, it's, in it's the all walls. ham in the walls. Yeah, and, and they discovered that when the other lady from that My Weird... Uh, diet, that lady who eats mm. the drywall, the drywall, had her over. Yeah, because they're getting some crossover episodes. Because uh, wow, that people love that. That's great for ratings. Yeah, that's great for ratings. People love you know TV shows that are about hoarding and eating weird things. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's quite interesting. A, a, a crossover episode of, of of hoarders and my weird mm. eating addiction or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, and. Because then they would be clashing because then some well, of the, my weird eating people would start eating the stuff that people are hoarding. Are trying to hoard. They go, yeah. oh, I could have found a use for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, you know, that's quite interesting. Then we could almost start a whole ecosystem, mm. you know, based entirely around people and their strange uh, fetishes, right? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you know, a there's, good idea. There's, yeah. there's, there's people who uh, hoard th- uh, things that other people have thrown away. Now, there mm. are people who are like, Love to shop and then just throw a whole lot of stuff away as well, right? Yeah. So they are sort of your, uh, your they're your trees, your heterotrophs. Um, no, they're the autotrophs of the ecosystem that you know create the energy and the biomass for the uh, for, for the food chain, right? Yeah. And then below them we have what's the, an example of that? Uh, so that's a tree. Oh, a tree. A tree oh. or a plant Sorry. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then we have uh, below them we have the uh, the herbivores. Yeah. Uh, but their version, they're the hoarders, right? And uh, then yeah. below them we have the carnivores, and those are the people with the weird addictions who eat the... Uh, that's what carnivores really are. They're people with just a weird diet where they eat other... Yeah. This lion yeah. has a weird eating addiction. <laughs> he eats other animals. <laughs> just... That's, that's, that's quite good as well to do a... Um, uh, nature documentary as if it's a My Weird Addiction or a Hoarders or something like that. Yeah, look, there's a lot of ideas here at the moment. There's a lot of ideas, but, Al. But with the crossover, so, so like with this creating an ecosystem of uh, people with, I guess, some yes. kind of mental flaw. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Well, we, we, we regard it as a flaw because mm. it doesn't fit into our social and uh, environmental structure. That's right. But if we were to give them their own, you know, put them in a terrarium, Right, so, it would be yeah. totally self-sustaining. Like you, a you biodome, a biodome, yeah. exactly. All you would need is instead of the sun, you just need a shop. 
Yeah, a shop. A well-stocked department store. And maybe like a couple of houses or just one house, like the Big Brother house. Yeah, they're all in a Big Brother house. Yeah. Right? And then within that, they are they they feed off each other. Yeah. And uh, But then I guess I wonder what the... Oh, well, there you go. The... Uh, the what are the what are the ones that are at the bottom of the food chain um, that like that like eat the detritus and stuff like that like eat waste and like your dung beetles and so they're, they're yeah, scavengers I, look, I guess so scavengers or hyenas like that yeah. dogs and my dogs would sometimes eat dung so you just need some people who have a fetish for eating shit and they can eat the shit of the people who eat the weird oh, food but then who eats the double shit it's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. do you get do you get double scavengers in? I guess if you get two scavengers to to have sex with each other, mm. could they make a double scavenger and that's... then feed them their shit? Yes, but yeah. you've just raised another question, Alistair. Yeah. Who eats the shit of the double who scavenger? Who eats the ch- children really... of the double? Who eats the double scavenger? This is this is a, a question, a philosophical question, equivalent to who made God. That's true. Who yeah. eats Who... the shit of a double scavenger? Yeah. <laughs> Who eats the triple shit of a double scavenger? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess they would just have to keep. They'll just have to keep uh, goddamn breeding. Yeah, I think before, so, before, so on and so forth. You know, uh, and and I guess, but I guess that's the importance of the of the hoarder in that circumstance. Mm. If you need a shit hoarder as well. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And then we have a whole maybe within the biodome we have a whole another biodome. Look, Alistair, I don't want to. I don't want to go too deep into this yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, so it's better we pull out now when we're just talking about a biodome within a biodome full of double shit eaters. <laughs> All right, because I don't want to go into it to the point where it becomes weird and unrelatable. Yeah. I think we've explored um, it. Should I? Should I? Should I write down sort of, um, sort of uh, weird addiction ecosystem? Weird addiction biodome. Yeah, yeah, biodome. I like terrarium personally. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, just feel like we should put some plants in there. <laughs> all right, there can be some plants. I don't know what they're doing in there. I don't think they're necessary. This is a totally self-sustaining world. Wait, do, does t- terrar- terrarium normally have plants or no yeah, plants? Yeah, terrarium has plants. Yeah, right, I just because, you know, terror is very dirt-like. Earth. Yeah, earth. God, earth. Maybe I'm wrong. What's the one that's like a little self Maybe I, it is just a biodome. Like, you can make those little jars, mm. which have got a little lid on them. And you have plants and mosses and stuff in there, plants and it just moss. circulates, and it just lives itself in Maybe. there. Well, I know like a terrarium's where you would keep a lizard. That's where I'd keep a lizard. Yeah, but not one of those ones that you have to close and then it's self-sustaining, not like that. Yeah, right. That'd be that wouldn't work. No, but but do do lizards have nothing to do with plants? Do they hate plants? I guess they look like they could do without plants. They're kind of like the cats of the of the. Sort of cats eco- look like they could do without plants. No, but they? like you know, like like <laughs> as in like the way that cats treat us is kind of how lizards treat plants. You never see a like a lizard chewing on a leaf. Uh, well, Alistair, I had to break this to you, but the uh, the aquatic iguanas of the Galapagos Islands yeah. live off seaweed. I don't consider seaweed plants. Really, I, I consider it a type of uh, grounded jellyfish. Interesting. Yeah. No. So I guess that's a flaw in your argument. That's a, a, a real flaw. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. They found sponges. They confirmed recently that sponges are like the oldest thing to branch off the animal kingdom, right? So they're like the uh, the first the first to um, to betray the king. Yes. <laughs> the king obviously is blue green algae. Correct. Um, they thought it might have been comb jellyfish. 
But uh, turns out that it's a comb comb jellyfish. They're like, these amazing jellyfish that like produce lights and stuff and live very deep in the ocean. But they but they look like a comb. Burn. I don't think so. No, maybe they have they, little combs or frills on them or something. Do they fix your hair? They fix your hair, Al. Is what it is. Yeah, hair jellyfish. <laughs> um. All right. Well, we've come to a dead end. Yeah, an absolute dead end. I yeah. thought. I thought. I thought introducing the history oh, of the animals. Sponge, of course. No, the sponge no, no. thing. I think that that's would, good. Uh, I think. Um, would really take us places. No, yeah. but I mean, like, I think you know, thinking Seinfeld got a whole episode out of the sponge. Really. Yeah, oh, but it was but a contraceptive device. See, I've never, I've never, I don't know what the sponge is. I don't know if it's even real. I think uh, they might have made it up. Really? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think I think the I sponge is a contraceptive device. I think they made that up. No way. Really? What do you mean? It just sounds plausible, but like, but like, the, 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 Within the world of Seinfeld, in mm. that episode, sponges are discontinued, right? And then they yeah. don't make them anymore. But they wouldn't, like, if if it was a real product, yeah. it would just be, there'd be other brands of it and stuff like that. Like, they, it wouldn't it wouldn't cease to exist entirely. Well, surely, I, th- I thought it was just that maybe it was just, like, I mean, they didn't explain this, but they didn't, like, explain that it's a, it's like a, a type of contraception that has just been superseded. By by the diaphragm and by the condom and things like that. Right. Like who right. uses a diaphragm? Oh, anyway, so my diaphragm, you know that kind of thing. It's just like it's like a a condom that you reuse in the vagina. Is that right? Uh, I don't know if you reuse it. Maybe you do I reuse do. it. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, yeah. Look, I and Al, we can try and work this out if you like. Yeah. Um, for the benefit of our listeners. Yeah. I don't understand how the diaphragm as a thing, as a contraceptive device works. Like, it feels to me like you would have to put it pretty deep inside. Yeah. And then it f- that, I, from that point of view, feels like it would be a nightmare to get it back out again. Um, and I just, you know, and also I don't know how you would get it out without, like, without spilling the stuff that you put it in there to stop. Yeah, I just assumed that it would, it, it would sort of stick out at the bottom. Oh, really? So it's, like, really long. Yeah, it's like a... Pl- I, so it is like a condom. Well, I guess I picture it as, yeah, it's like a... It's like a plastic bag? Yeah, like a plastic bag is exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Like a shopping bag, you know. I don't know how much... I like, like what you do with a bin, right? You have the bin bag, it exactly, comes out the top yeah. of the bin, and then you wrap it around That's and give how, it a little twist. That's how they, they explained it to, sure. to kids back in the, the day. Right. Um, right. So it's it's a very simple process. It's like when... You know, you've taken out the garbage and you're putting in a new bin liner. Yeah. Is is the bin liner and the bin bag the same thing? I think a bin liner is the same as a bin bag. Great. Yeah. So it's a bin bag. Um, <laughs> is there... Look, I'd like to apologize to all uh, women who listen to the podcast and especially those who might um, be listening right now. For what for what we think how the diaphragm might work. Yeah. Yeah. Like how we've just guessed. Because well, I think I think that the problem is that in that metaphor, women were a bin, basically. <laughs> no, women weren't a bin. Their vaginas, vaginas were, were a, a metaphor bin. for a bin. Okay. <laughs> the the vagina is the metaphor for the bin. <laughs> oh no. Well then, but I guess I guess though. But then that in that, that metaphor. The penis was garbage. It was garbage, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it was really quite progressive. Yeah, it was a product that you were throwing away but then going, actually, I think I'm going to keep this. Because <laughs> you're a hoarder. Oh, my God. I 
didn't. I I thought that that sentence, w- that sentence that word was, was going to end, end ear- earlier. Yeah, right. And I'm glad that there it was didn't. a look of terror in your eyes <laughs> for the first two thirds of that word. I was like, "What is Andy saying?" <laughs> I um, mean, it's still a fair question. Yeah. So look, I I mean, my mind went to how do we turn that into a sketch. But, um, but it's like, but then it w- the, the place where it went was maybe new types of contraception. But I mean, like the jokes have kind of been done about, mm. you know, having a, you know, a guitar is like the best, best contraception mm. or, you know, knowing how to play. Well, I mean, could we, to, to do the bin thing a bit mm. further, could we do something about like, because really the, the garbage bag is a form of contraception for your bin, mm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I... I'm not happy with this. No. <laughs> um, well, I mean, like, there is... Yeah. You know, if only there was a pill that you could put in the bin, right? So that's better. And then it would keep the bin clean, and then you would never have to use a bag again. And it would just sort of... The pill would help decompose the... I guess, oh. or... It, <laughs> well, not, this is not good. Oh, Just, like, the thought... that you know, You know what my thought was? I mean, I, like, I have to say it now, right? Um, Tell us what my thought was was that you put the pill in there. Yes, and then once you put garbage in there, it kind of just later on you just tip your garbage bin upside down and you let the garbage sort of f- fall out onto a towel. <laughs> is that is that good? That that look, it's not good, and it's also not really. It doesn't really work in terms of a metaphor for how the pill works either. I think it's a perfect metaphor for how some people use the pill, <laughs> or at least how they did it when they were in high school. Great. Yeah. Great. Um, oh, Jesus. All right. Here we go. <laughs> we, had, we had such a great start, and then we started getting into uh, – well, I guess it's, it's, it's much like having you – know, just trying to have to figure out how the, um, the diaphragm works and mm. whether or not the sponge is a real thing. Yeah. You know, and and whether or not they use the first creature to break off from the animal kingdom mm. as a as a, as a contraception know. thing, I suppose yeah. that they would, you know, sort of sperm would be the kind of thing that sea creatures would eat. Mm. Um, you know, it would look very similar. Well, I mean, are are sperm technically an aquatic creature? When the uh, interesting question, hmm. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I'm going to say amphibious. You think so? Well, I mean, yeah. they, do they do well on land, on dry land? No, well, they don't do great, but I think like the salamander, they could probably survive for a short while. And if they're able to wriggle into a, a neighbouring pool, yeah. then they might still thrive. Like, is there a way that you can make a sperm live for a really long time? Um, could you have a good life as a sperm? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's let's you know. Let's, it's like, this. it's like when Ash Ketchum decided that, uh, or, or, or Pikachu decided that he didn't want to evolve into a Raichu. He was happy to just stay as a Pikachu, like that, and is a sperm, you know, who, that doesn't want to sort of, let's say, evolve into yes. a man or a dead sperm. <laughs> <laughs> and by man, you mean man or woman? Yes, I mean, I mean you know, the, the, the species man. Man, man. Um, yeah, okay, and, and is that... A legitimate choice for that sperm to make, and should we as a society enable that? Be be offering them that that option. Yeah, and sending them like, and should there be? Should we be cordoning off maybe an area in 
in each country so that they can go off and live. Like, you know, oh, like a sanctuary. And like a wildlife sanctuary, <laughs> yeah. So I guess what it would be, it would be a huge pool of, I guess, whatever it is that's in balls that keeps sperm alive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I guess that, that that's good, yeah. I guess you would somewhere that doesn't really have that much sort of air that they would be exposed to and... Um, this is this is kind of the logical conclusion of the the pro life people, mm. you know, because people make that argument of well, you know, if if, if uh, life begins at conception, well, why why isn't a sperm considered a life? You know, why do you yeah. stop there? Mm. Um, well, maybe we don't stop there. Maybe we say that sperms are alive, and yeah. any wasted sperm we put them <laughs> in mm-hmm. a in a pool in a in a sperm sanctuary, which is a well, big milky pool. Yeah, I think you should just have like like a kind of a reverse tap in your mm. house, sort of like a toilet, but just a small little tube where right. you put where you put where, like where where women put their eggs <laughs> and where men put their sperm, like yeah. that, and it just goes. It's a pipe system. I, I don't think you can put the egg and the sperm in the same no <laughs> oh no pipe. Right, because so? then we got a whole. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, that's okay. that's where the trouble started to begin with. We have a his and a her pipe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay, I think the bathroom probably seems fitting. Yep, and that's where you put your gametes. Right. Your gametes. That's what the the sperm and the egg. They're gametes. Oh right, that's where yeah. you put your gametes. So the, I guess like a kind of a cool name like the, uh, um, the gam pipes or the, um, gam exit. Yeah, the gam exit. That's good. Gam exit. Uh, and then they all get sucked in there. I suppose it's probably an evacuated tube because oxygen is probably harmful to them. Um, yep. Because yep. you don't have any oxygen in there, right? I mean, they probably get some but via blood or something like that. So then we got to be delivering. So we also have to deliver some kind of like... Se- semen or, you know, the the, the, fl- the fluid, the mm. semen fluid or, you know, whatever it is. That Semant- it. Yeah, that's true. So possibly we could create like an artificial semantic se- se- uh, fluid. So we have semen pipes coming into every house. No, no, no. But like much like, you know, at the bottom of the toilet, there's a bit of water. Right. Okay. At the yeah. bottom of this pipe, there's a bit of... Yeah, yeah. there'd be like... So the same thing to be the sort of whatever fluids kind of get made on the in- inner cer- cervical mm. lining. Prostate? Prostate fluid? Uh, I don't think... does? Uh, cervical li- lining? Uh, no, I was just thinking of the fluid. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, prostatic fluid is yeah, like something yeah, yeah. like, I think, um, is, I said semantic before, uh, but I meant prostatic. <laughs> um, the prostatic fluid, I think, is like 70% maybe of semen. Yeah, great. So it's not even that much semen, like sperm in there. So, you know, in the end, that, that you can probably recycle. We'll just have... Like a, much like we have sort of water recycling plants, we'll just have a whole other ecosystem, not ecosystem, but you know, like wa- you know, like the treatment water facility. treatment facility just yep. for the for this uh, uh, prostatic fluid and the mm-hmm. semen and stuff like that. And then we'll extract and and then sort of have, I guess, I don't know, w- w- what's a nice place for kind of semen to live? I guess just something that just looks like essentially just a big testicle. Yeah, uh, or like a, a sort of a tropical. Uh, lagoon like a, or something, well, you know? Yeah, like a, like a, like, but like, like a tropical version of the inside of a testicle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like they're kind of having a nice life. Yeah. You know, they get to roam freely, swim freely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I guess also we, we get, we get to see whether or not sperm will turn into something else on their own, much like f- sort of frog tadpole, t- you know, frog, frog tadpoles. Do. Interesting. You know, cause I think they, maybe they've never really had a chance to live long enough to find out whether they grow right. legs and become sort of... Um... Well, in the latest uh, Thor movie, mm. uh, the Hulk has been the Hulk for 
now two or three years, right? And so his intelligence has progressed as the Hulk, like a child's would. Yeah, right. right. So, like, you know, baby, you know, by two or three knows a certain number of sentences and stuff mm. like that. And you can interact with them a certain extent. Maybe sperm, if they were given the chance, yeah, just a bit of time. You know, it's like yeah. the uh, the replicants in Blade Runner. You know, all they need is time. Yeah, right. Right, and and because they've been given this program for this short life, that, but if we can give them a chance, they could do great things. And likewise, the eggs. And I think that there's a chance that maybe the sperm and the eggs uh, might, you know, mm. at some some point find like start organizing each other and 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 choose a queen or king, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, form and, a society, uh, form a society, and then maybe yeah. we could, maybe we could sort of communicate with them or maybe communicate with them i mean we don't communicate with any other sort of creatures on earth <laughs> other than dogs <laughs> and we yell at cats um but um but but maybe we could use them somehow to like you know whatever form they take later on maybe we could use them to sort of replace ants or something like that and aerate the soul so <laughs> the soil or at least sort of jizz up the soil a bit. <laughs> But I mean, you could see that there could be maybe farming applications or something like that to sort of right, right, put put them to work in the in, yeah, put in, them to in work the environment. Yeah, you know, uh, or, or maybe they kind of like you know, maybe they eat garbage or something like that. You know? <laughs> you know, like we don't know what their uses are, and there might be a whole lot of sort of industrial applications that we could sort of put. Uh, sort of sure, as long as that's, too. you know, well, well, we're treating them as if they have some sort of a life and some sort of a value, as long as what we're doing is, is ethically defensible, I think. That's oh, of okay. course, yeah. And, and, you know, I guess if you think that it's ethically defensible to sort of take bees' honey, mm. um, you know, and and I guess like, you know, like those, it's it's kind of closer to like those um, those face creams that some people have that are made up of like, the the ooze from snails, you know, right? Exactly. So you know that's what we're harness. That's probably what we're going to harness. Some sort of byproduct. Some kind of like like eggy, spermy uh, goo. byproduct goo. Of some now sort. I'm going to put to you a nightmare scenario, right? <laughs> Wherever we're storing these uh, these sperms, yeah. right, in a big dam somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a rupture ball. in the dam, okay, right? Go, yeah. The sperm gets into a river system. Okay. Downstream, yeah. there's a popular swimming spot. Oh, okay, no. and there's a tidal wave of sperm. Yeah, eighteen feet high. Yeah, coming down the river. Okay, you see what we've created for ourselves. Yeah, and eggs as well. Yeah. and eggs. Sperm and eggs. Maybe they're and coming they're... to together. They're going to meet at some sort of a, a junction in two <sighs> rivers. Oh no. Okay, and now we've got ourselves like a real geo storm. A real like. Nightmare future scenario. Mm. Well, I wonder whether I'm, there's pi- a... I'm pitching this as an apocalyptic movie, maybe like uh, the, the Blob or Dante's Inferno or something you know, with a volcano where they've got to divert this mm. river of sperm now before it hits the, uh, yeah. the popular swimming uh, area. Yeah, well, Tommy Lee Jones has got to like use some diggers and. Well, I think that if you were like in a in a sort of large enough sort of uh, globule of sort of sperm and eggs that have kind mm. of mixed together, there's probably within there enough protection for the un- for the underlayers uh, of eggs that and and sperm that fertilize each other. Mm. Um, and by the way, I don't see the sperm fertilizing the egg. I see the egg also fertilizing the sperm. So yeah, I, I, I kind of see that as an equal thing. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's how everybody sees that. <laughs> I just I was trying to be stupid. Um, anyway, but in, in those under kind of levels... Al, of, don't worry. You were succeeding. Yeah, great, great, great. Um, in those under levels, uh, you know, the sort of the, the deep 
unexposed to air sort of mm-hmm. parts of the globule. And and um, hidden from gulls and hidden from gulls. I think that there's a chance that, you know, a a baby could develop within there. Like babies could develop because uh, you know, there's there's enough sort of food around, at least, mm. you know, there's a lot of small things that cells could yep. surely extract energy from and sort yep. of chemicals and things like that. That's interesting. Now we've got a whole sea of babies. Sea of babies without, that, that haven't sort of grown within a... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, you know, yeah. a woman, but, uh, or, you know, or a man. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and so then, you know, we might end up with. A, I mean, this is after because of this big breach. Yeah, uh, we might end up with if, if let's say we don't take care of it within, say, nine months, mm-hmm. uh, we could have multiple children that are sort of parentless or at least anonymous. Uh, yeah, anonymous. Interesting. Babies, and I don't really know <laughs> where that takes us. That's well, the I mean, children of I mean, nature. Then, yeah, the, aren't they? I mean, they're the children of the globule. Mm. And uh, you know they might be different in some way. Yeah. Possibly they wouldn't lose their tails. They might be more enlightened. They might be our last best hope for the future of humanity. Yeah, I guess that that's something. I think this is a sketch, Alistair. I think I think the uh, the creation of these sanctuaries for a start as like a, a sort of a a dystopian, you know, right wing future where we've extended life you know, human mm. rights to these gametes, mm. right? And also scientifically to see what does happen when these things live for long. Well, well that's, I, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's the other side of it. Mm. We get to now see what they can do on their own without us interfering with them and, you know, forcing them to uh, fertilise. And this is, this is just another sort of, this is more of a question than, than it is a comment. Um, yep. But I wonder whether, like, you know, like what is the lifespan of a sperm inside of the body? And also, when if if, if they die in yes. the body, are any of the other sperm sad? Like, is there a form of sort of sperm sadness that we could study? Mm. Um, yeah, well, you know, they've been together. And by the way, your brother has been looking for a band name. I think Sperm Sadness wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be far George, if you're listening to the podcast, yeah. um, uh, thank you for editing it. Thank and, you for editing um, it. Please take out some of the earlier stuff. And sperm sadness is, an, is is on the table. Yeah. Sperm sadness is on the table. Is it? <laughs> um, it's just a modern modern dilemma. Yeah, it? you know what I don't like is all these mammals that are subterranean, right? Yeah, right. Because I mean, what are you doing to yourself by making that decision? I'm talking marmots. I'm <laughs> talking groundhogs. Yeah, uh, wombats. Talking- do you include I, wombats? Wombats, I feel like they've created enough space around themselves right. so that it's just kind of a home. Yep. I don't think that a wombat would do well in a collapsed bit of dirt. Yeah. But I think that kind of like moles 
yeah. and and groundhogs. That's that's what they do. They, they just, don't even necessarily have like a tunnel behind them, right? They're just digging forwards, pushing the stuff back. It's it's insanity. You're yeah. just constantly in a in a like a collapsed mine. Well, constantly like in a state of like trying to achieve some kind of prison break, right? <laughs> and yet never actually being free. The prison break animal. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's their niche. And like but like they might constantly be in a state of panic attack. Like cuz I mean the the fear of collapse could, like you know surely they 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 must be aware there's people walking above them, creatures walking above them. They must be. And <laughs> <laughs> but also that like you know I don't know. It's just there's there's just it's just not a way to live. Now, man has, since time immemorial, man has looked to the birds and envied their gift of flight. Yeah. Right? Has man ever looked to the moles and envied their uh, gift of a subterranean nightmare existence uh, filled with nothing but terror and darkness? I think that that's a great philosophical question. Yeah, thanks. Um, but the, the, what I think that we should do as a people yes. is we should gift these animals with – I mean, I know this already sounds a little bit like the previous sketch, but we give, <laughs> gift them a place outside of the dirt that re- recreates enough of the things, darkness, hmm. you know, uh, maybe like a bunch of pillows so that you know, they're up against something. Now, why have you limited this to mammals? Why not earthworms? Like why, what makes you think that they're any less contemptible? Uh, I just don't think that they have they like I I think they probably don't have thoughts in the same ways that the mammals do. But from a humorous point of view, yeah, would we be better off saying that we've decided that it's unconscionable that we allow animal any animals to live in the ground? Sure, right. Um, I mean, from a humorous point of view. From I think a humorous be, point of view. I mean, if we made worms, say, like a like an aerial creature. Yes. You know, if we kind of hooked <laughs> them up. Forced them to live in the sky. Yeah, you know, or gave them the opportunity to live in the sky. Ah. Hooked them up with a lot of uh, kind of like, sort of, I guess, a, like a worm-operated sort of paragliding, kind of maybe motorized sort of solar-paneled type of thing. Yeah, or just shot them out of a tube. Yeah, like I like mean, fired them up into clouds. Thunk. Yeah. Thunk. Thunk. Like that. I mean, yeah, I think a worm would do pretty well in an updraft, but oh, we could flatten them out a little bit. You know, flatten the, them a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. And, you know, like like you know, you've seen the the Japanese sort of um, grow those melons in a in a cube thing, and they make yep. a cube melon. Well, if we start growing worms in a sort of like un, like you know. Sort of in the between the pages of a ream of paper. Yep. And so they come out kind of flatter. Like a flatworm. Like a flatworm, like that. Uh, but you know, we work out the aerodynamics. We then we teach it to use that to fly. Yes. Um, have you ever made one of those airplanes where you just use a straw and then two bits of paper that are just like a strip of paper that makes a kind of like a circle, mm. tapes like that, and then a circle on the other side, and you throw that, and it works as like a paper plane. Works real great. Now, this, Do that with two flatworms and a and a long skinny worm. I, th- I think there's a, there's, a, there's another way we there's there's a there's a broader thing that we can tag this onto, right? Yeah. Which is that for so long, man, you know, mankind's ambition mm. has been selfish, right? It's yeah. you know, Wilbur and Orville, right? They wanted to build the aeroplane so that humans could fly in the sky, yeah. right? But 
if they wanted to build the aeroplane so that worms could fly in the sky, right? Mm-hmm. That's in a way more noble, absolutely, because it's selfless, right? Yeah. And you know, if we if we if we say, look, we've had a good run, mm-hmm. and we've as humanity we've reached a pretty good level. Now we'd like to give another species a leg up, let's, so to speak. Yeah, let's right? bring some others up to our level. Right. It's like those established comedians in the in the industry who are. Giving opportunities to to younger people, they, they bring a young up and comer on tour with them to open for them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So now we, as humankind, say, look, we've got so much stuff. Life's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Let's give something back. Let's now focus on helping earthworms to achieve their potential. Yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, should we be sort of giving birds the opportunity to? Uh, experience what it's like to not be able to fly by sort of anchoring them to the ground. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, they probably envy our gift of walk. Not having to fly. Yes. Yeah. We've tried this in the past when we fired dogs into space, mm. but we realized that that was too much too quickly. We yeah. need a more gradual, you know, we yep. should have just taught them to ski. Well, I think that maybe the reason why we didn't like the doing the dogs in space is because then we actually brought dogs to a level where they were way above us at that point. Right. You that's know? true. They were the first... <laughs> dogs went to space before humans, yeah. right? and I think they got a bit big for their, for their boots. And so we went, all right, no more... No more other species achieving things before us. You know, like... Because, I mean, I, look, I would be interested in actually finding out. Because, mm. I mean, like the – I don't know who did that first. Was it the Russians? Uh, yeah, I think it was Laika. Don't call it Laika. Laika, yeah. But right. But but then also was the dog a type a type of Russian sort of nat- – like a native Russian dog? Or was it could have been like a Chinese dog or it could have been like, a, like an African dog. So technically like possibly Africa got to space first. Maybe a, maybe a Western – it might have been a Western European dog. Anyway, I'm just saying – Yes. It's complicated. So then not only dogs are making it before us, but it's actually like some different you know, country. Country's dog. Country's dog. All right, Al, have we got anything out of it, all of this? Okay, wait. Right, so I, I think uh, I, I like the idea of the leg up, you know, the, yeah. or the, the, the hand up, the helping hand, the helping leg. You know, we're always giving Al always a helping hand, uh, but what about just for once a helping leg? You know, or helping, uh, helping thigh, or helping scapulae. That's all I'm saying. Um, to uh, another species, um, and maybe, maybe something that isn't earthworms is funny. Like maybe, maybe moles is uh, is actually better because they're more. You know, they're just a, a funnier sized animal. They're just like a hand sized animal. The yeah. mole, I think. Yeah, they they'd probably be perfect. Like a, they're like a hand fruit. Is that that's quite what's interesting about uh, you know mm. like hand fruit mm. is that you know it's 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 hand sized, perfect for eating. But you don't do that with meat. You don't get a good like hand sized chunk of meat. A hand meat. Yeah, hand meat. But like or like a hand animal that you could just eat, like a hamster, a mole, uh, possibly a large rat. You know, yeah, um, I, I guess the guinea pig that they eat in South America is probably the closest that you'd get to that. I think those guinea pigs are actually a bit too big for one hand. Yeah, I think right. They, really they have quite, you know, they're they're closer to like you know somewhere you know, between your sort of domestic guinea, guinea pig and like a capybara or whatever those things are. Oh, really? I think I think they're. Like, I always pictured just like a little domestic sized guinea pig, but these are these are bigger. I thought they were bigger. They're, yeah, anyway, they look bigger big, bigger when they've been butterflied and sort of deep fried and put on a, <laughs> on a plate. 
Um, look, I think the the idea that the reason why we stopped putting dogs and chimps mm. in space is because they they actually were achieving things before us. Yeah, uh, as a little mini sketch is. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah, I think that's I think that's great. I think like we could if we wanted to look into why it was a dog that went into space. Like it's it's quite it's quite a sad thing if you think about it at all. But if you don't think about it at all, and then you think about it a lot. Uh, could we justify that, you know, maybe this dog was incredibly smart. It was the first dog to graduate from university at a really young age and it actually mm. got there on merit. I, I would love to see what any of the the choices were based on uh, and, and that they weren't just based on that's a... That's a dog that's near us right now. I think I think it, it's probably like an Airbud type situation, you know. Um, and uh, <laughs> there was something like space. Bud. There's nothing in the rules that says we can't. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That the, the the first man in there's nothing in the rules that says the first man in space has to be a man, right? And this dog is actually one of the most gifted astronauts we've ever seen. And, um, you know, that uh, snooty uh, head coach from the other team, he tried to lodge a complaint, but uh, yeah, it went I mean, through. There's, you know, a lot of the time they send astronauts up and they, a lot of them are scientists of some sort and things like that and, and, and sort of pilots, mm. right? But it turns out that with, you know, you don't really need a lot of that stuff, especially if you can sort of control the rocket from, from the ground. Yeah. Um, and if anything... A lot of those that those extra bits of knowledge uh, were a disadvantage to all of the other like sort of human applicants because it they tended to overthink it a little sure. bit, you know, as they were going up. Yeah. Oh, but I'm definitely going to die on this flight. Oh, what about my family and things like that? And you didn't mm. sort of get that much of that from the dog. Exactly. A couple of whimpers. A couple of whimpers, but that could have been anything. Suppose a, you know sending a cow would have been <laughs> would have been too. You know would have been too. I, I wonder if we'll ever put a cow in space. Yeah, because uh, that's mm. that's quite good, isn't it? Yeah, that's 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 a fun. It's a it's a fun thing to picture. It's a fun thing to picture. It's a fun like you know if we didn't already have a sketch that was basically already this. I think something about putting a cow in space. I think that I think that would be quite good. I think a cow would do pretty well on the moon. I think that they would be actually if you could get like a cow sort of. Well, they know. can basically already say the word moon, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great prerequisite for whether or not you're allowed on a planet. Let's say we send it what one. I mean, maybe maybe cows are from the moon, and that's why they're saying it all the time. Mm. But. Maybe we send one of every animal to any any place that sounds like that's what they're saying, right? <laughs> just in case, Al. Yeah, just no, in that's case, true. you know, mm. because of uh, what's that uh, exo fertilization? You know, the idea that life on Earth came from other planets. Yeah, right. We've always speculated it's some sort of tiny little organic molecule, but maybe, all right, it was like a a, cow. a, a lizard or a you know a. Uh, some, an ibis some came in of, on a meteorite. Yeah. Right. So just on the off chance, yeah. Let's send these creatures to whatever thing sounds like the noise they make. It could have been like a proto zebu. A zebu. Yeah. Proto zebu. Proto zebu. Yeah. What's a zebu? That's some kind of uh, bovine, car- uh, you know, African 
Big Horns, Zebu, Andy. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Al. Um, they used the word in The Simpsons. Um, look, I I do like. I, I mean, I don't know if there's anything in the cow, but <laughs> but oh oh, just to uh, you know, I, I guess I was going to add to that. That's right. I forgot. I got distracted by the Zebu thing. I was going to say that maybe horses. Uh, we send them back. Or at least send one to Naples. <laughs> um, <laughs> that too. That too bad. Yeah. Um. That's yeah. That's that's. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't like, it be amazing if there was an animal that their um, that their call sounded a bit like Montevideo? Mm. You know that movie? Is that how you say? It? No, not that movie. The <laughs> that place. Yeah, Mon- Mon- Montevideo. Montevideo. I, I think it would be more interesting and more relevant to the sketch if there was an animal that said Proxima Centauri. Yeah. Was right. it? Uh, you know, that was sure. its mating call or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, I lost it. Um, um, I did have another place where we were going to go with that, yeah. but I've forgotten it. Oh, was it Proxima Centauri? Well, I was going to correct you, obviously, on uh, your your terrible uh, proximation. Technically, we have we have a we have a technical five. Al, I think I think the way we're going, we should probably get out of this if yeah. we can. Okay. Stage of dismount. Oh, I don't know. How do you feel? Would you like to go for something more? Well, you know, I think any time we have this conversation, it's not. It's it's, not it's, the, it, it doesn't bode well for no, the episode, does no. it? No. So look, we'll have a technical five. We'll call it a technical five. Sure. Um, I'm we, sorry about most of the podcast, Andy. I think we've had a fun time. Great. Yeah, I think it's been a good podcast. Great. I, look, I feel awful at the end of many of them, but I think that this has been a fun one. Great. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, first sketch is ham hoarders. Spinoff. It's a. It's. We've actually got three TV shows in like in the pipeline, and that's a great thing to be able to walk up to a a TV channel and say, "Hey, this is already three TV shows, and that's what you're getting in one package." They like you very often to be able to come up and say, you know, when you buy the season, well, we 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 know what we're going to do in the next season and the season after that, right? But. What, to be able to come up and say, we also know what we're going to do when you cancel this show. Yeah, we've got another show. Yeah, we got another on the go. I think that's I think that's really powerful. Yeah. So we got Ham Hoarders, which is a uh, you know season. Uh, it's basically a spinoff of Hoarders, and uh, they uh, it's just for people who are hoarding ham. So so it can be like it can be some people's houses look like there's nothing there, but there's like yeah. ham in the walls and in the floors and things like that. Some people. That are not refrigerating the ham at all. Just piles of ham. Just piles of ham. Some people have have some ham. Only have a small amount of ham. They only have a small amount of ham, but lots of pigs in their house. Yeah, right. Like that. And I think I think a a person sort of like a cat lady, but like a pig lady, right? A pig lady, and who has like a just a fridge with like maybe just a reasonable sort of personal use quantity of ham, but then just has, you know, once those pigs start breeding. Um, I think a lot of hoarders as well. They they might not have much stuff in their house, but then if you if you look into it, they've got like a lot of storage. They've booked a lot of st- you know storage containers oh, yeah. and stuff at different <gasps> places, and they're full of ham. That's really good because then we can get into one of those storage wars kind of TV shows right. where people yeah. open it up and it's just <laughs> it's filled just with all ham. ham. <laughs> well, that's a lot of ham. That's good money. Yeah. Okay, oh, okay. <laughs> oh my god. That is absolutely dense with ham. Like, you know, they've been for it beforehand. <laughs> it's like a solid block of ham. They roll up the roller door and it's like a can of spam. It's just yeah. packed in there. We got, we got any bids? $10,000. <laughs> I'm going to be able to sell all this ham to a butcher shop. 
I know a but- I know a butcher down in uh, Monte Valley who buys secondhand ham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, old ham. Perfect. All right, it turns out that I'm having trouble, more trouble moving the ham than I thought I would. <laughs> Deep in the ham, turns out there was an original Atari, and uh, anyway, that was using up valuable uh, ham space, and so I chucked that. Thrown that away. Thrown that away. Anyway, all right, well, then we got word, uh, weird addiction terrarium, yep. which is where we basically create an ecosystem with people with weird addictions. Uh, and ones that kind of cancel out each other. And, and all uh, those evolutionary niches. And all those evolutionary all niches, yeah. Um, you know, people that love declogging the drain with their, you know, as like a kind of a weird sex thing. Yeah. So Nelly told me about that. And uh, and then what, what, whereas somebody who loves to clog up some pipes, possibly somebody who just likes to grow their hair really long. And then... Like rip it all out, rip it all out in the shower, or you know, just let it molt at a natural rate. Because I think maybe the person who declogs can't declog that fast either. I guess you can declog faster. Than I don't you know. Declog. I feel like if you've got a fetish for declogging okay. drains, you well, can then, probably do it pretty quick. Well, then the fe- but then the- also maybe the fetish is in doing it slowly. Yeah, and then maybe the other people's fetish or you know or, or weird addiction is being in a large group of sort of people that look like cousin it. Yes, <laughs> it's Great. it's sort of like it's it's called. It's swarming, and it's where you just all hang out together, and then you go and like swarm a place with cousin it. You make people think that you're cosplaying, mm-hmm. and there's some kind of weird. You're Adam not though. Sp- you're not cosplaying. You actually are cousin it uh, as much as you can be a person. They n- think that they're cousin it. They act like cousin it. They talk like they cousin identify it. as. They identify as cousin it, and they molt like cousin it, and as a swarm. <laughs> So it's like a, they they sort of take on B qualities. Yep. It's swarming. It's going to get bigger than you yeah. think. Yeah. And it's already pretty big. <laughs> and and I wouldn't be surprised if actually it's those people running around that are maybe cleaning up the um that are sort of picking up with their sort of long bristles of hair, a lot of the triple shit that the double... Oh, see, that's great. It's forming dags on the bottom of the... Yeah, and then it lands in the drains, and then the the drain guy picks it out of the drain, and I guess... Perfect. I don't know what he does with that, but... Hey, that's his business. That's his biz. (laughs) Um... So then we got the uh, sperm and egg sanctuaries, so it's a place... I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting place. Um... (laughs) <laughs> they, I want to know the tubes from the houses. Are they sort of they are they sort of suctioned or something? Does it go, you know, yeah, along the pipe? I guess they them? would probably have to have a <coughs> sort of like um, like, like a vacuum seal, like in mm. a, like a sort of in a spaceship before you go out and and walk an airlock, uh, an airlock like that. Yeah. So you you sort of. I guess you drop you your, the, the payload, whatever it is, deposit yeah. the payload into the uh, into the, uh, the the lock, the airlock. Then it closes, and then it goes, sort of like a like a uh, a plane toilet goes. <laughs> <laughs> After you close it like that, yeah, yeah. Or it's I guess it's a little you know, or as another metaphor, it's a little bit like going into the lemur enclosure at um, at sort of Melbourne Zoo. Right, where you have to kind of go in, and then once the door one, closes one is, behind you, then yeah, and then the door opens like that because you don't want any of the lemurs slash 
sperm slash eggs to get out. It's like a it's like an airlock, but for lemurs. And I think if lemur lock, if the eggs were to evolve, like you know, to grow into another f- form, uh, yeah, that would also be that would even be more surprising. Because I mean, I really focus on the sperm because they're so tadpole. Well, they got a tail. Yeah, but like. You know, if the kind of the eggs became like a bit of a, you know, like took us took on a like a, a sort of jiggly puff kind of quality. Well, I I could believe they're more likely to come together to form some kind of a super organism. You know, mm. like I can I can picture them having more of a uh, like like a slime mold kind of an existence. You know, more mm. sort of a, a collective intelligence maybe. Yeah, but that's women for you. Yeah, see, um, is it? No. No. No, but also I wanted to clarify that the eggs in this sketch will have uh, agency. Um, I'm starting to feel that even this joke is sexist, so I apologize. Um, giving then the Even sketch, this. Even this. Even this joke. Well, the joke which was initially supposed to be at the expense of the inbuilt sexism that are just choices of picking mm. men all the time uh, that is within that. Uh, then to ch- sort of make fun of ourselves, I think even within the jokes now, there's the, there's a sexism within that. Yeah, yeah I, almost certainly. Andy, we can't escape. But also, like, the fact that you relentlessly give women agency in our sketches, whether they want it or not, I think is, uh, in a way, overriding their agency. <sighs> no, so. Andy, no. No? I think agency is a thing that you can give to, to women in a sketch... And it's never wrong. All right, Al. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, how does this feel wrong? (laughs) Even me saying it, having this... Anyway. All right, giving animals a leg up, uh, you know, after we've had such a good go. Yep. uh, To see, you know, what kind of, you know, to give them a great life like we have. Yeah, so what is it? There's like an academy somewhere where they're trying Mm. to, you know, teach the sum of human knowledge and experience to... To worms moles. or moles, moles or yeah. Yeah. I think moles is a Squids. good starting point. Yeah, um, that you know, I think every every decade they pick one animal. Yeah, we then, give them a go. <laughs> yeah, and we give them a go, and then we allow, and you know, we do. We'll have wildlife sanctuaries, but then we'll also have other species, mm-hmm. basically small cities and stuff like that that we'll sort of build for them. That is, uh, you know, accessible for them. Very disappointing. Mole City has totally fallen into disrepair. The creatures, we've given them every opportunity, but they seem to have no interest whatsoever in running a functioning society. And then we go to war with them and, like, oh, wow. and, like, and sort of, like, try to, like, we, you know, we send in the military and try to, like, fix their society and take, take it out of their hands because we're, like, you're mistreating your people and... Like regime change, we try and do regime, regime change. change. For the mole. We try to put in sort of a. We install a puppet. A puppet a, mole. A puppet mole. <laughs> maybe a groundhog, maybe a meerkat. Wow. Yeah. And then we have uh, dogs were the first in space, and then they, but then we stopped sending dogs because they actually got too big for their boots, and the, yeah, because they they had they had achieved way more than any man had. Yeah. And, uh, well, they actually didn't give us credit when they were talking to their other dog friends. You know, the fact that we actually mm. we put them in space, but the way they told it, yeah, we we barely featured in the story. And at you all. could picture that being a thing that the Russians would develop is like a a device so that they could understand dog language to yeah. see whether or not they're taking credit, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so that we could punish them by killing them or whatever, <laughs> and never sending them into space again. 
I mean, because people do say that it's sad. Obviously, it like you know, people say that it's sad the story of sending a dog up into space and that it died and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, but. Is that more sad than the fact that no dogs ever get to go into space anymore? I think that that's an, that's sort of an eternal sadness that yeah. that all dogs suffer from right. uh, to this day. Whereas at least the other dog got to die and not have to continue suffering. We we've really thrown the baby out with the bathwater. You know, in our rush mm. to avoid dogs dying in space, we've mm. ruled out the idea of dogs being in space at all. And I think that's yeah. a real shame. Yeah, uh, it's a real dog shame. And that is... That is. Uh, Where are you going, mister, with that bag of petunias? Where are you going to take them? Going to sell them to your friend? I don't think so. You don't have to. But if you want to, that's fine. Uh, hello. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, yeah. You know what? It d- brings me so much joy that we could do this and that anybody allows it to enter their ears. We got another hermetic seal uh, just today from good friend and friend of the show and longtime listener, Steph Brocci. Yeah. Just listened to the whole of uh, the 100th episode. So if you're still listening to the 100th episode out there, good on you and bloody, you stay strong. You guys and, are strong um, and you keep going and we, we're so proud of you. And you know you know, you know what? We didn't think we would make it either, but you know what? We believe in you now and we believe in ourselves. And, because uh, of you believing in us. Yeah, it's because of you guys yeah. believing in us. Um, if you want to uh, find us, uh, I'm uh, Stupid Old Andy on Twitter. And I am at A-L-A-S-D-A-I-R-T-B. And uh, we are two in tank. And you, if you would like to support us on the Patreon, more people are supporting us on the Patreon. Yeah. And it is uh, so incredibly wonderful. We've had a couple more people jump on recently, and uh, that helps us to uh, pay for the editing of the podcast, uh, which is a thing that we should do. Absolutely. And some of the names that we should read out, I'm just going to go through everything that's in my Gmail inbox. Uh, we got Jai Smith. Thank you very much. Carl Lundberg. Thank you very much. James Roy. Thank you very much. Emma Lee. Thank you very much. David Roberts. Thank you very much. Brent Sunnox. Thank you very much. Steve Hacklin. Thank you very much. Uh, Patreon password reset. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jack Henderson, thank you very much. Finlay Williams, thank you very much. Steve Hacklin, thank you very much. Read him out once already, I yeah, think. Yeah, uh, there was another one there. That's right. He keeps he changed his pledge. Uh, Nico Oxman, thank you very much. Alan Clarkson, thank you very much. Bert Goldsmith, thank you very much. Jason Ramsaran, thank you very much. Alan Clarkson, thank you very much. Curtis Brennick, thank you very much. Casey Baker, thank you very much. Glenn J. Meesday, thank you very much. And step two, get more patrons. Thank you very much. That um, is... Oh, uh, and Jason Ballard. Thank you very much. And Neil Dodsworth. Thank you very much. And... Is that everyone who's listening to the... Who's, who's supporting the Patreon? It's everybody who's supporting Man, the that Patreon. is incredible. That's so many names. It's so many names, yeah. And, um, you know, it's great to get them all out of the way all in one big go as well. Look, uh, I just... I was worried that I hadn't read some of those earlier. And then once I'd gone too far... Yeah, uh, I couldn't not read everybody. I thought that's the the reading of the Patreon. That's names. the yeah. Um, um. So and then you can review us on the you know obviously you guys are already giving so much but you can give money at the Patreon that's Patreon dot com slash two in tank and you can give loads of money and also oh somebody's come up with an idea for a, a reward which uh, um 
which was that you guys could give us a suggestion for like a possible kind of like a, a three word suggestion or three yeah. word inspiration and we'll uh, come up with a sketch idea based on it and I think that's a episode. fantastic idea so we'll put that on the Patreon yeah we'll and, put that on uh, the Patreon I don't know what's like three bucks or something like that what do you think three bucks two bucks great three, three bucks. bucks a word three <laughs> No, it'll be a buck a word. A buck a word. A buck a word, and then we'll occasionally we'll pick one out, and then we'll do that on an episode, and then you get to, and maybe we'll say your name. How about that? Great. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so like, is that a reward? Oh, I don't God. Know. All right. All right, we got to go. Take care. We're part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. <laughs> we uh, love, love you. you. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.